Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, so this episode was recorded yesterday morning, just before Novak Djokovic was defaulted from the US Open. And I, as a fan, am very disappointed and sad that this happened, but I fully agree with the final decision. And anyways, this episode still assumes Djokovic as the winner. Um, so pretty much just disregard those parts, as there are still some really good talks about other players in the draw. And we obviously talked about the women's draw as well. So yeah, the Grand Slam is not defined by just one single player. So let's just enjoy finding out now who will be the first male Grand Slam champion born in the 90s. And we all know that this guy will not be Tsitsipas. So have a good listen. Hey friends, my name is Andre and this is the Tennis and Bagels podcast, a podcast about essentially anything tennis and um, we have a new co-host here. I kind of messed up the intro that I uh, was planning on doing, but let's go with that. Funch, how are you doing? Hey Andre, uh, really nice to be here. I'm excited for this new episode and we have a really special guest today. Um, his name is uh, is Judson Wall. He is very active on Twitter and he's uh, done a lot of work uh, reliving tennis in this lockdown period. Hey, Judson. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here as well, watching the match right now, the Zverev-Bikina match. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on that, but I'm excited to talk tennis with you guys. Sweet. And yes, the episode today is going to be exactly about that, the the US Open and just kind of like a midpoint in, in it. Like we just, we're, as Judson is is just mentioned uh we are recording as we record uh some of the round six round of 16 matches have just started and um a lot of things happened this week uh it's the first grand slam since uh quarantine things kind of like uh slowed down a bit and uh second grand slam of the year first one was the australian open obviously and we haven't had um wimbledon is canceled rolling arrows is postponed and um, we're excited just to be here. And a lot of crazy, weird things have happened in the U.S. Open. And if we go into just everything that has happened this week, um, do you guys? What do you guys feel like? It's it's a it's a highlight for you. Is there anything really that kind of like caught your attention above all? Any? You can speak both from the WTA or the ATP. Whether whichever you guys feel like was more interesting to watch. Yeah. Well. I- Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, you can you, you can go ahead first. Okay, uh, I think the ob- the obvious match of the tournament with the the largest implications was the Tsitsipas uh, Chorich match. Uh, it was a great match. Uh, obviously, great comeback. Uh, epic 
you know, fall from grace for Sitsipas. And in addition to that, you know, Sitsipas was becoming, I think, one of the favorites uh, to mm-hmm. be a challenger for Djokovic. So it just has massive implications. So that's the one that stands out for me. And then, you know, also uh, Murray's matches, uh, you know, both is one with uh, FAA and uh, who did he play earlier in the week? Nakashima, right? Nakashima, yeah. Uh, Nakashima. Yeah, no. Nakashima, you're talking about uh, the Zverev matches or Murray? Murray's right. No, Murray uh, played Nishioka. <laughs> yeah, Nish- Nishioka, yeah, Nishioka. And he was two sets love down in a break. Came back and won in five. Saved a match yeah. point in the fourth set too. Yeah, those are the ones that stand really stand out. I mean, there's obviously many others. Right. Hmm. What about you, Fasho? What do you got? What do you What do you got for the first week of the U.S. Open? Yeah, no, no, for me, I mean, Judson hit, hit the nail on the head with the Sitsipas and Chorich match because, you know, you're, you know, as a spectator, you're watching that and it's a night match on Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's a very intimate setting with, mm. you know, and it became a very kind of personal, in, in, in a way, we were, we were very lucky to watch it, but it was also very, it was an uncomfortable watch at times. And you just really, really felt for, for Sitsipas because you just saw him tighten up and you you saw him miss easy shots that he wasn't missing all match, particularly the forehand, shanking a lot of backhands. Mm. And, you know, you could see the way that Chorich was able to impose his mental strength that we haven't seen from him really since 2018. You know, when he had, mm. a, he had a very good season, he beat Roger Federer in Halle, in Shanghai. And, you know, he was talked about as really... You know, having a big breakthrough, 2019 was going to be his breakthrough season. And unfortunately, you know, that didn't work out for him. But, and, you know, he struggled with injuries and he's been a little bit underwhelming since then. But really, this was mm-hmm. the most impressive comeback I've seen. But also, there's no way around it. Sitsipas definitely let this match slip. And it has serious implications. Because if we just look at the momentum swings that happened in this match, I mean, Chorich... George and George was playing well for the most part and hanging with with Sitsipas, but ultimately Sitsipas was able to um, play a bigger game in the first three sets when it really mattered. He was able to dictate with his forehand, especially the forehand to forehand battles. He was able to win a lot more of those. George was having the edge um, in the backhand to backhand exchanges, and when the rallies got a little bit more in. And the, when the rallies were extended and maybe, you know, Sitsipas was forced to hit plenty of uncomfortable backhands, that's when it became, became a mm. problem. Yeah, no, I mean, in, in terms of the match itself, it's it's a really big one because he was he was the fourth seed. And so, you know, many pundits and, and uh, us ourselves, we were predicting him to get to the semifinals and, you know, potentially have a really good match against Djokovic and be one of the contenders to win. And, you know, that's not the case anymore. And if we look at his Grand Slam results, really since the 2019 Australian Open. It's been rough sledding mm-hmm. for him. And this is now a good opportunity for Alexander Zverev and maybe yeah. even Borna George to to capitalize. And of course, now Sitsipas has to go back and do some soul searching and you know really see how he can get over this loss yeah. quicker than he did uh, in some of his defeats mm-hmm. last year. And it'll be interesting to see how, how he bounces back from this. But it was a compelling watch. Yeah. Well, so I, I guess if you if you want to comment on that one, um, Judson, that was one thought that I have in, in the sense like when I looked at the draw. Now we have obviously Shapovalov is in the round of 16. He's projected to meet, well, if he gets past uh, David Goffin, he could meet um, Djokovic in the quarterfinals. 
Um, and then the draw is open for Zverev uh, as well, like to reach the semis, to play also Djokovic if things go according to plan. Um, do you, what, how do you guys? How do you feel like this opens up the the, the draw in that sense? Because in my per, in my um, personal opinion, I was pitching uh, Tsitsipas to actually even beat Djokovic in the semifinals, but obviously that's not going to happen anymore. So, yeah. He- well, yeah, uh, which, by the way, Zverev just got off the court in three quick sets. Um, yeah. You know, the Tsitsipas the match shows how much I know, because I, I was with you. I actually, you know, I thought this would be the tournament. I really liked uh, what I saw from Stefanos, and uh, I I put a lot of stock into what he was doing. I actually had picked him to win the tournament uh, and beat, mm-hmm. beat Djokovic and, and whoever he would have met in the final. Uh, yeah. And I, I do think eventually he's going to win multiple slams. He has future number one uh, written all over him, multiple grand slams. He has a a perfect uh, body for for the game, uh, 6'4", mm-hmm. I think, moves like a gazelle. Uh, you know, he has, he has the shots. I think he has uh, the temperament. You know, he can get a little, a little fiery like we saw in the match. But, you know, so I, I think there's – Big, big things in his future. Really big things. Multiple Grand Slams. Four plus. I mean, that's my prediction for him. And I thought it was going to mm-hmm. start this week. Uh, but obviously that did did not happen. You know, I didn't expect that from Chorich at all. I, I had picked Stefanos in three. Uh, mm. And like you said, he had some results in the grass season in 2018. Uh, but I, I really didn't expect that. He, but he played great especially late in the match uh, he was clutch he was solid he hung in there physically i mean i think he had just played a four-hour 19-minute match uh, the, mm. the round before and you know i think that was probably i can't think of another one off the top of my head uh, except perhaps Halle, uh but i think this one's bigger that's probably his biggest win of his career yeah Mm, uh, yeah. And then you're right, for Sitsipas, it's a massive opportunity lost. I mean, he would have gotten uh, Tom- Tomo in the uh, round of 16. And, you know, he would have obviously been the favorite in that one, Jordan Thompson. Uh, I think Thompson's coming off some some long matches as well, although I may be wrong on that. But he would have been the favorite in that, uh, would have yeah. been the favorite to go on and meet Alexander Zverev, and you know I think he would be the favorite in a in a Zverev match. Although I, I think that Zverev may have that head to head. But regardless, it was a, a massive opportunity lost for Sitsipas. Uh, he'll be filling that one for some time, and it does open up the draw. It opens up the draw big time for Zverev. I mean, he doesn't have to he he doesn't have to face Sitsipas. He doesn't have to face the mental stress of preparing for Sitsipas. Hmm. I mean, he's going to be uh, facing, you know, the winner of Chorich and Thompson. He'll be the favorite, strong favorite in that one instead of mm-hmm. us. And, and that will be to make the semifinals, you know, against uh, probably Djokovic. So, yeah, yeah. It, it opens up the draw uh, and a uh, big opportunity for Alex Zvera, who actually looked really good today. I thought he's looked very good other than, you know, his first round match, but you know, it's first round. Uh, we've been off yeah. for so long. He was playing Kevin Anderson. You know, it's easy to 
to not find some rhythm against a big server like that first round. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he did not look good that first round, at least early on. But he's he's yeah. rounding into form. He's looking great. He looked great today. Yeah. If he played, to be honest, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I'll, I'll finish with this. If he played like he did today, yeah, sure. I think and serves, you know, out of his mind, which he's going to have to. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I give him a I give him a chance against Djokovic. Not much of a chance, but I give him a chance. Yeah, I was thinking in that in that sense too because like uh, if you, if you look a little bit about um, to the opponents that um, Zverev had to face, especially now that Tsitsipas is, is out, like um, considering suppose that Chorich actually makes um, like a quick 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 work of uh, his next opponent, and should they face in the in this in the quarters, um, it's it's still like. He hasn't had to face like one of the biggest, one of the big favorites, or anyone that was actually someone that could potentially trouble him more. So even though he has actually been doing great and taking care of his jaw nicely, uh, I don't. I still feel like nobody has actually been able to challenge uh, a champion's Zverev for, per se. Like for example, the the Anderson match was a challenge to um, problematic Zverev. There was like we we're all thinking in the sense. Can Zverev even catch his rhythm against a, an opponent that can be tricky? Because Anderson was coming off of injury, been a long time not playing, so it would be like, uh, just wondering, can Zverev just not lose this match in a, in a sense? But now that he's kind of like gotten uh, a rhythm going on in a sense, like what comes to my mind is now, um, can he face his biggest challenges and um, actually come come through? in those matches like he he faced a big challenge in, in murray and didn't make it he served a lot of double faults and wasn't very convincing now he seems to be a little bit more convincing but still needs to face somebody who will challenge him um push him to the limit i feel like this is the main thing for me about zverev like uh, I, it's not that i wouldn't give him an, um, a chance against djokovic but i st- i still would like to see him being really pushed um, and I don't think we have seen that very much. What do you guys think about that one? No, that's a that's a good point. Uh, you know, his draw so far has been Kando, Kevin Anderson in the beginning. And, you know, it's not Kevin Anderson mm-hmm. of past. Uh, and then Brandon Nakashima could be construed as a, a fairly tough second round draw. Uh, Nakashima has really been rising up the rankings and troubled him for a little bit. But then Manorino uh, in the round of 32. Fokina in the round of 16. I mean, these aren't pushovers, yeah. but they're not anything that's, yeah, for, for someone that is hoping to potentially yeah. win a Grand Slam, they're not something, mm-hmm. you know, is going to be testing him too much. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And just, just on that, I mean, you know, we've seen the past couple of years really that he's played a lot of long five-set matches in the first week of majors, and it's ended up, you know, costing him, especially a couple of times at the French um, you know, when he got to the quarters and, you know, was a little bit burned out and, you know, wasn't closing out these guys in three or four sets like we saw the big three doing. And so it's nice for him to really, you know, get off the court quickly and win some of these matches like today against Fukina in straight sets and really mm-hmm. conserve energy for the later rounds. I think that will help him peak. And, you know, we saw it at the at the Australian Open. It definitely helped him. And he reached the semifinals. He didn't drop a set along the way, and so uh, you know that's that's a good sign for me that he is uh, that you know he was pushed in the first couple of rounds, and you know actually the first three rounds he lost a set. He also lost a set to Manorino, 
and mm-hmm. Kevin Anderson and Nakashima. So that's a, a good sign for me that his that some wins and confidence are starting to come together for him at a slam level that we've been waiting for because he's proven himself now big time uh, since 2017 in best of three set tournaments, having won three Masters 1000s and, of course, the ATP finals. So this is a step, I think, in in the right direction for him and a good opportunity to make a semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, absolutely. I think uh, regarding this point, there's, you know, there's a balancing act between having enough competition uh, and, and, and conservation of your energy. So competition and, and conservation. Yeah. I don't know if he's found that, that right balance but he's had some competition and as you say he's dropped a couple sets but i i do think that's a great point he's he's conserved energy which is what the big three have always done so well and mm-hmm. usually when they get mired down into you know a long match or two early on in the tournament that doesn't bode well for them uh it, it, you know i think it's the same for anybody else he's he's two week long Best of five set tournaments is just so important to conserve energy in the first week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Zverev has been, been able to do that for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we can start talking about a little bit more some of the other seeds in the in the draw so far. I mean, you know, yeah. particularly well, Medvedev and Djokovic have been making light yeah. work of their opponents thus yeah. far to get to the fourth round. Uh, have you, have sure. you been? Djokovic did lose a set against Edmund, but yes. then comfortably won the last the next three. Yeah, so. I guess we can we can talk about. Uh, I mean, obviously Djokovic was inc- incredibly impressive in his uh, matchup against Struff, which uh, never really bothers him because he's able to redirect all the pace that Struff gives him, and you know, make and really just no matter how hard Struff hits the ball on both the forehand and backhand linearly. Um, you know, Djokovic is able to counter counter attack and win a lot of those points, and it almost looks like he's hitting the ball harder than Struff uh, from the back of the court because he's such yeah. a that in that in that kind of a matchup. And you know, Edmund was quite successful in the third round, taking the first set off of him. But then you see just how difficult it is to win points against uh, against against Djokovic. That then uh, you know it becomes very difficult to sustain that level uh, after the first set. But it was really good for Djokovic to have that test in the second round, and he looks like the the favorite to win this win this event. Uh, what are your thoughts on Djokovic? Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that uh, you're right about the the Struff matchup. He must he must be requesting from the tournament tournament organizers to to play Struff every. <laughs> every uh, but no, I think it, I think him dropping that set. Uh, will end up being a good thing. That was really his only test at the beginning of that match, the first third yeah. match or so. It's very tough to roll through a draw without being tested at all and then show up against the very best mm-hmm. at the end. I'm sure that Djokovic would be just fine. And I think, obviously, he has plenty left in the tank. Uh, I don't think he's hardly broken a sweat. And, yeah, he's the prohibitive favorite at this point. I think Medvedev... Yeah. You know, it would be the only guy that I would give a great shot to at this point. Yeah, I I feel like, I feel the same in a sense. Like it, when everything comes to you to an end, I feel like the the biggest favorite it's it's still Djokovic. I don't, and I feel like this kind of only confirms itself like by the minute. Um, every match that he plays, 
the one thing that I find really interesting, and I tweeted about this kind of like it's it's really cool to see uh, the other players on this tournament like just coming uh, coming coming around, and I feel like even if Djokovic is going to win, I am I'm hopeful that some challenges will appear in the in the in the in the meantime, like in in his way. And uh, I've I've been really encouraged to see, like for example, Rublev and Medvedev and Felix Ogiliasim. Even Shapovalov has done surprisingly good work um, in to overcome his own problems on court because it's not really his game that was too problematic, but necessarily his mind. And and he's been able to come through in a couple tough matches. I don't think he's going to have what it takes to beat Gofan, who I think is still the favorite to go to the quarterfinals and play Djokovic. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's it's really interesting to see them on the other uh, those guys on the other side, uh, and especially being a Canadian, like I'm I'm really excited to see Felix doing so well too. So he looks great. Is there anyone? Yeah, anyone else in the draw that you guys feel like, regardless of their chances of winning, it's it's actually been encouraging to you guys to see or. Yeah, I mean, um, it's been it's been a yeah. booming time for Canadian tennis, you know, with three guys now in the second week, Shapovalov and Felix Ogiel-Yassim and Vasek, Vasek Pashpaso, who, you know, has been doing really well uh, in this in this tournament and pulled off two incredible upsets against uh, Milos Raonic, who I'm sure a lot of us were putting a lot of stock in, especially yeah, the week sure. that he had in Cincinnati, you know, assuming that he was healthy. I mean, we were, you know, thinking he was going to get to the quarters or semis and you know, I mean, that that was a tough matchup for him in the second round that I guess we all overlooked um, against Pashpaso, who can play a great ball. You know, he's got yeah. great offensive game. He's incredibly adept at pulling off difficult volleys and closing off angles at the net. And just a very, you know, attacking forehand and serve. And, you know, the, it's a kind of game that works well on these faster courts outside of, outside of Arthur Ashe and Louis Armstrong. And he was incredibly impressive yesterday against Roberto Bautista Agut. Um, you know, who was coming off of a brilliant, uh, really, last couple of years, but also in Cincinnati where he almost got to the final. So, mm. I mean, he's a guy that can make some noise. He's got, uh, even if, you know, he's not a con- absolutely not a contender to win this title, but, you know, you can absolutely uh, see that he will put put in a, we will see a very competitive and compelling match in the next round against Alex de Menor. And you mm. know, Felix has looked great, and Chapo as well. So, yeah. good time for Canada. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. I, I think uh, the Demonor match—that's a great opportunity for both of those guys to make a slam quarterfinal. Uh, yeah. And 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 I think you're right. The the fast courts, the quick courts, help both of them. Uh, <laughs> great opportunity for them. Great opportunity uh, for. Uh, Big foe, TFO, he's the last U.S. Yeah. man standing in the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't give him any chance really against Medvedev, but to make it this far, he's been impressive. Yeah. I, I had yep. him pay to lose all three of his matches before <laughs> before they were played. And so he's he's been impressive with his resiliency, his court movement. He has great touch on his shots. He's serving well. So. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I think Shapovalov. He's he's so fun to watch. I think he is he has the most aggressive game in the world right now. Uh, and he reminds Probably. me whenever 
whenever I go back to my history watch on my on my nineties account and then going back further than that into the eighties and seventies, he reminds me a lot. Doesn't necessarily play the same way, and maybe it's just the outfit that he's wearing this week. But he reminds me the, the swagger that he has of Agassi when he was just coming up in the late eighties and, and very early nineties. Huh. And mm-hmm. and Agassi just had this pop uh, to the ball. He didn't hit it hit the ball the biggest on the tour, but he had this this pop to the ball that that no one else had. He he took the ball early. Uh, he, He's flat too, eh? Yeah, yeah, he does hit flat, which unlike unlike Shapovalov, Shapovalov hits yeah. hits with a lot of spin. But that's what it is. They, and, the, and the the explosiveness of it that yeah yeah the, yes yeah that looks like that really reminds you of Agassi. Yeah, and I he's he's impressed me, and I if he can just harness that, which I don't know if he ever will be able to, or at least I don't know if he'll ever ever be able to harness his power without giving up some of that power. Uh, but if he ever does, he is going to be a, a slam contender in my opinion. Uh, and as, as soon as he does. Yeah. I mean, hmm. his explosiveness and his, you know, ability to finish off points and his, the, you know, this, the spring that he has in terms of the way he can just, you know, if he can just figure out a way to rein his power, and pull the trigger at the right moments in the points and build up these points, you know, in a way that he has developed some little bit more rally tolerance and, you know, can sustain those powerful shot making on both the forehand and the backhand for longer periods. He's going to be an absolute threat to win, win slams in the future. And he's, you know, he's, it's a good sign for him that he got through Taylor Fritz without playing his best game because, Taylor Fritz was up five two in that fourth set, and you know, looked, looked like he couldn't run away with it. Yeah, Shapovalov found a way to turn that around, and you know, kept stuck to his game plan. And you know, in big moments, you know, where you see most players get a little bit tight, and they deal with it a little bit differently. Um, but guys like Shapovalov, and I guess maybe Team is another example. They just go for it. They just go even bigger on those points, and it's and, and a lot of times it. You know, we've seen it not work in their favor, but when it does, I mean, it's 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 really a tough thing to stop. So beautiful, yes, and it's and it's beautiful to watch. And so that, mm-hmm. we'll see how he matches up against against Gofan. But certainly from a quarterfinal matchup standpoint, you know, you would really want to see Shapovalov get there and really push Djokovic. Yeah, like he did in the ATP Cup, even set or two, which. You know, you know, definitely know he's capable of. Yes, so, yeah. I was, I was listening to one of the or one of his matches, and the commentators. I can't remember which match it was or which commentator brought it up, but was discussing his forehand and and made the point that he may have the biggest forehand in the game. And I think there's really something to be said about that. I don't. I'm not saying it's the best, but it might be the biggest. Yeah. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I think he's. I think one of his issues that I see with his game in, in that sense is uh um it's it's I feel like he can if he gets figured out in a sense he he gets uh frustrated and and when he's frustrated he really stop having he really stops having some more variety to his game and I feel like that's one of the reasons why Fritz kind of like started like pushing him a lot harder is because he just by bringing balls back and just kind of like pushing him um, to like 
get frustrated and he kind of lost a little bit of a sense of strategy in the game and just kept trying to hit the same balls over and over and he just couldn't couldn't do it because it was, he was figured out in that sense so it, it's good to see that he he got a hand uh, a hand a hang of himself like he he stopped for a moment and just stopped started thinking and and fought through it and won because that really shows maturity and that he didn't get he didn't beat himself up in this match so that was Probably the, his biggest takeaway for this uh, for this tournament will be, regardless of his next result, I think it's just um, looking at and see like, hey, I can actually um, come back from a tough situation and, and win a match. Um, so I think it's 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 a, a big plus sign for the future seasons that he's going to have. Yeah, and we see we see a lot of positives with him too because you know we've seen that he that usually has really helped him you know, build points more and has helped, it definitely helped his return of serve where he's blocking a lot more returns now rather than just taking big, huge cuts at every single ball. He is figuring it out. Uh, He's bringing pieces of his game together to figure out, you know, when is the right time to pull the trigger and and go for these shots. And he's realizing that he has such a big, that his weight of shot is so big that he doesn't need to go for lines and he doesn't need to um, have wild swings all the time. He can control that that swing and be a little bit more, uh, you know, even keeled in his temp in his temperament, which he's he's currently working on. But all the signs are there for Shapovalov to have a uh, to to you know contend for majors in the next couple uh, after the next couple of years. Certainly, when the when the big three starts slowing down. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, regarding his countryman uh, Felix, you know, yeah. I think that for me is the the round of 16 match that I'm looking most forward to against team. And, mm. uh, you know, it's a real barometer match for Felix. I think, uh, you know, not, not, he doesn't need to win it. He's not expected to win it, but I'm excited to, to see how he performs in the match. How real is he right now as a contender? How much of a contender is he? If he beats team, does he become, you know, a contender for this title, Ed. Is he 20 now? Did he just turn 20? Yeah, just turned I think so. Just turned 20. Yeah, this is a massive match, biggest match of his career by far. And if he somehow was able to win it, which I'm not saying I, – I think he I think he could. I, I haven't loved team this week. Uh, I haven't loved his court position. I think he's playing way mm. too far back. And that just puts a lot of stress on team. It puts a lot of stress on him to be precise in his returns. Uh puts a lot of stress on him to uh, physically to move forward and backwards. And, uh, and so I, and, and Felix has looked great. Felix has been bombing the ball. So I, I give Felix a chance. I think team will win, but if Felix were to pull off the upset, I mean, we're one win away by Ajay Ali Asim from, I mean, is he going to make a slam final, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's so easy to get ahead of ourselves, especially after the performances that we saw against Andy Murray. And yeah, I mean obviously, okay, Murray, I, I probably overestimated Murray's ability to recover from the physical Nishioka match, and you know I thought he would maybe have another gear left in him, but I think what Felix mm. was able to do so well in that match was, that, you know, against a great returner like Murray to keep Murray guessing so much and hit twenty four aces, where Murray just you know, even if he did react quick enough and switched step back to the middle and got the ball back, I mean, his serve plus one was just 
absolutely outstanding and he was willing to he was staying with Murray in in baseline rallies and he was really able to you know hit so many winners and impose his game at his ne- his level really never dropped for three sets and then you combine that with his win yesterday over Corentin Mute where he just you know Mute never really had a shot it was straight sets too yeah and just hit him yeah six one six love six four, yeah. something like that and so you know absolutely yeah I do give him a I do give him a puncher's chance against against Dominic Team. In fact, probably a little, even a little bit more than that. And if he starts making first serves the way he is, and he's mm. worked on his second serves over the, the which was a little bit of a weakness for him. You know, he was ha- he had a very high double fault ratio and he was, you know, struggling with that shot a little bit and he's worked on Yeah. And Team's court position, you're right. I mean, if, uh, you know, I saw it was a little bit better against, against Marin Cilic, but, you know, it's it's not been entirely very very convincing for me to say that he's going to get to the get to a grand slam final especially when you've got medvedev in that mm. section and felix playing so well so i think your uh judson is right that this fourth round will really tell us a lot and will be a yeah. amateur yeah and honestly i feel like if if anything if the if the if if felix doesn't win um i'm hoping for at least like a, a big match like it's probably going to be one of the first like signs of like grand slam second week uh, that we can have like it's this Felix um, um, team match. It, it could be like a really good like a, a like a changing point in this in this tournament. It'd be like okay, now we're looking at the guys who could who have have a shot in a sense. And I, I really like one of the interviews that he did. Like I think right after Murray Murray's match, uh, Felix said like, yeah, like listen, I can be a really kind guy off the court, and that's like who I strive to be. But like when I'm on court, I'm here to impose myself. I'm here to win. And I think there's such a great mentality to have. It's kind of like a different from like, hey, listen, it's just the beginning of my career. I'm just happy to like put on the results and see what happens next. He's just he's like, no, I'm here to I'm here to make a statement. Like I'm I'm not here just to like get, gain experience. It's like I'm here really here to to show what I can do and try to win the matches. So like I, I'm really excited to for that. And if we're backtracking a little bit, like uh from the Murray match, um Speaking, talking about Murray a little bit, like uh, Vanshi said, like you probably overestimated his capabilities of like recovering, mm-hmm. but his first match, like how, how about we spend like some time here just because like it feels like Murray has overcome so much in, in his career. Maybe if it's just like a little bit about five minutes just to acknowledge Murray's effort in this match. And I think coming back from two sets to love now, I didn't believe it. I thought he was going to lose in four if he, if he took a set. So yeah. What do you guys, what do you guys think on this match? Go yeah. ahead, Bunch. Uh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, um, Andy Murray, the last three seasons, really since the 2017 French Open, has been going through a really, really emotional, heartbreaking time in his career where he hit his prime and it was all taken away from him based on something, based on uh, the wear and tear that he put to get there. So it was, it was a really rough watch for so long. You know, he's been trying to come back and really never been healthy and he he decides to retire and uh, at, at the Australian Open where we last saw him lose in the first round to Roberto Bautista Agut and then to come back and you know we've seen some moments of brilliance from him but mm. this is this was his first time to get back to a this was his first major since that 2019 Australian Open and you know there was he really didn't have any expectations or 
you know, he didn't really he didn't really know how it was going to go. And the first round against Nishioka is such a tricky match because Nishioka is so quick around the court. He's got such a clever game. In a way, he was kind of doing some of the things that Murray does, anticipating really well, using a lot of using the forehand angles to his benefit, taking the ball early and just, you know, blunting Murray's pace and power. And he was doing a remarkable job for, for two sets. And Murray just looked, you know, just looked flat and tired and he was having to do a lot of running and defending and and scrapping. And then, as we so often see with, with Murray, his grit and his determination uh, in those moments when he's down two sets to love and a break to come back and, and and you know, have belief in his in his abilities and the experience, too, of having been down two sets to love nine previous times in his career, I think really served him well. And he just kept plugging away he he never backed down. He showed tremendous, tremendous fight, and also physically. I mean, he it had to be, have been really encouraging to get you know to weather that kind of storm and save a match point in the fourth set and actually complete that entire comeback. And you know, mm-hmm. he never never did he ever believe, or certainly I'm sure he believed it deep down in his head. But you know, the fans and the media, you know, never we and pundits. I mean, we never really thought. It was ever going to happen for him at a at a stem level, certainly almost five hours, and to to come back and 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 win it was just a, it was just remarkable to see that and you know and I think at that point regardless of how the next round went you know it was really encouraging for Andy Murray and you just feel like even though he's not even at his uh, let's say eighty percent best physically you know there's flashes mm-hmm. of brilliance that we still see from him that convinced me that once he gets once he builds up that he used that word robustness and once he gets more matches under his belt and really starts you know playing regularly week in and week out i think you know we could see a level from him that is still capable enough in best of 3 sets to cause upsets and you know make third fourth round of slams because he's playing that well it, mm. i agree with that uh, certainly on the on the regular tour, on the ATP tour, yeah. in the best preset format. I mean, he won his last, I, I, I believe his last tournament that he played. Uh, or Yeah, in, in, in Antwerp at the end of at the end mm-hmm. of 2019 and pulled off a miraculous win over Stan Wawrinka. Yeah, yeah. So he's certainly still a threat, has the game to contend at the, pretty much the top level in the best of three format. The best of five, you know, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think after some time, he he'll build the the stamina up he'll build the body up and potentially get to the point where he's you know threatening to make the second week of slams but it, who knows who knows if the body will hold up it's all about the body he he still has the game uh, it's all about the mm-hmm. and uh you know but it it was fun to watch it was a great match one thing that i loved and and in general with this tournament, one thing that I love, but specifically with that match, is are, are all these players in their suites mm-hmm. looking down on the match and they're watching Andy Murray, you know, the bionic man with the metal hip, coming back yeah. from two sets and you could tell that he is just dead inside. And, and it's all about Will. And, and you know, watching that comeback from, from their suites and the cameras, you know, showing the the players reactions it 
it's actually it's actually pretty neat. Yeah, it's been something really special to see that. Yeah, shirtless in their suite in their suites, just watching these matches and you know, yeah. really it's such a unique it, time yeah. because of this pandemic that you get that mm-hmm. other players really just get to study study these players True. up from a different camera angle and you know really prepare and be really up close to the match yeah. too, which is not exactly normally the case. I see that again, so that's a really good mm-hmm. job by the USTA to you know have those suites there and it it, it gives it some light uh, even if you're not playing without fans it, it it adds a little bit more pressure to the players as well mm-hmm. you know to perform and I, I think it's really good especially for the day session matches yeah i think that's yeah. a great point about adding pressure uh, it's one thing to play in front of a bunch of strangers it's a bunch it's another to play in front of contemporaries colleagues coaches you yeah. know that kind of thing. i think it, there is a its own brand of pressure at these in during these matches i only wish that the players that were in the bubble at the beginning of the tournament were required to stay in the bubble and at the end of the tournament during the final you'd have all of these players that have been knocked out sitting there watching the final that'd make great tv but alas you would it's not happening <laughs> yeah I guess it's, it will be tough for them to stay in the bubble, I guess, because they, if they want to like take the time to practice for the next uh, tournaments that are to come, and if they did stay in the bubble, it didn't necessarily mean that they were in quarantine, so they would have a chance to leave. So, yeah, it's, it's sad, but I guess it's, it's not really... Nothing in this, in this time is, is ideal. Yeah, so, I think they're required yeah. to leave the bubble. And then you're right, uh, there's other tournaments... There's always a tournament next week, unless there's a pandemic going on. But there, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's uh, Kitzbühel is beginning this week, right? Uh, with two clay challenger 125s in Europe, mm. in France, and uh, and then in the Czech Republic. So those players are on to the the next thing and getting ready for the French Open. Yeah, I mean, I guess and, if we just stay yeah. a little bit on the on the bubble because there's been you know, a, a little bit of a story, especially the first week, that I think we should we should touch upon, which is the which is the Benoit pair eleven, that you know yeah. the French players all got together and played cards, and you know unfortunately Benoit pair was pulled out, was taken out uh, taken out of the tournament, and he took that very hard, and there were there were eleven other players with him who were in close contact with him, but uh, you know some of them are still allowed to. Uh, play with to to play in the tournament, and so mm-hmm. there's been a little bit of uh, confusion and inconsistency um, in terms of the way the protocol of the bubble and the contact tracing actually happened. And we saw that when uh, Adrian Manorino didn't take the court versus Alexander Zverev, and took the court about three hours later, and everyone was wondering mm-hmm. it was all this talk and rumors that. You know, Manorino wasn't going to play, and maybe he wasn't allowed to play because of the 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 New York State officials. And you know, Djokovic was involved, and it was this whole thing. And of course, we know about Kiki Modenovic, um, who you know who was outraged for uh, who was outraged after she lost her match from four match points up, and complained that it's like a prison, this bubble. And yeah, you know, that was not taken very well by a lot of by a lot of players. So I'm curious, what do you guys, you know, make of that story in the first week? Hmm. 
Well, you know, I, I, I said, like, on Twitter, like, well, I guess, like, in a, not on Twitter, but, like, in our private messages, really. So, um, what, what what I think about it is just, it's, if, you, if you're going to, I'm not, I'm not saying that I agree with um, Mladenovic, in a sense, like, I think she's wrong in saying, like, oh, this is, like, a prison and whatever. Um, I feel like the the rules were already bent for her to be able to play, which shouldn't have happened. Um, there was a... Uh, Things that happened in the um, in Cincinnati last week that had players out of the tournament because of that um, yeah, close contact, and they had to be in quarantine for two weeks. So I think things are already going so much better for her. But maybe that was a, an issue with the the way that they they treated her. I feel like it's just that I don't I don't understand necessarily what was the crisis management behind this this possibility that was obviously a possibility. Uh, with or without a bubble, like I mean, the bubble is to prevent this to happen, but it, it's not to um, make it impossible. So the one thing that I, I my take on this one is that um, there was problems in the management for of the uh, of the 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 U.S. Open to actually get this to run smoothly, and they obviously, if they had taken out eleven players off of the draws. It would have been a statement, yes, but it would also mean that tons of matches wouldn't be played. So it's it would it would just be a little awkward and weird, and it would also mean that, say, for example, the the dreadful outcome of um, a finalist being infected would mean a walkover winner, which would be probably the worst catastrophe for the U.S. Open um, this year. But honestly, like if, with everything on the table like this, it's it's obviously tough decisions from them, but. Um, uh, the only the only thing that I actually truly disagree with is the language, uh, the, the the word usage from uh, Mladenovic, and I'm I'm also like not really f- too much um, in favor of Man- Manarino playing after three hours of wait. I think it's a little disrespectful, but that's about it. That's my my whole take on the situation. Mm. Judson, do you have anything to add on that? I do. Uh, my, my microphone was muted. I'm sorry. The, the f- no problem. That, yeah. uh, there's only been, what, the one withdrawal? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Benoit? And, uh, you know, there's only... I don't think I'm there's actually, been... Uh, actually, yesterday... Uh, sorry, but actually yesterday, Mladenovic and Babos pulled out. Yes. yes. The mm. I, mean, I think if, you, if the U.S. Open or, or the fans um, were given... The the option of that few withdrawals at the beginning of the the tournament, they would have taken it. Uh, so so I think overall, you know, the bubble is working. There's it, there's kinks to work out. I mean, this is the first time in history that it's been done. In t- yeah. So you know, uh, but I, I think the fact that there's been no singles matches canceled, only the one player withdrawn. Uh, for a positive test i mean that's to me to me it's it's worked very successfully all right so uh moving over to uh the the women's side of the draw uh, we obviously had like a, a couple of surprises as well a couple of big matches and i think for me probably this the the hottest player right now is being um jen brady and followed closely behind by sophia cannon i think those are the two players that are actually being probably with the, the the biggest uh rates of success, uh, not rates of success but like the chances of a success of a of a title at the end i think that canon has overcome serious um badly bad results like in a couple of weeks and 
just kind of like showing why she won the Australian Open. And Jennifer Brady is just kind of like not really caring about her ranking and anyone else's for that matter and just winning her matches. Just beating uh, Angie, Angie Kerber um, in pretty comfortable sets today too. So what do you guys what do you guys think uh, of the, the, the WTA draw? Which already was already, by the way, really packed with uh, strong talent and um, really good matches pretty much in every single round. Yeah, yeah. I think for me... Yeah. My predi- my predicted winner at this point is is Kenan. I think she uh, impressed me. I think she'll back up her Australian Open. I, I do. I, I think he'll, she'll win this tournament. She looked great against uh, Jabour. Uh, but, you know, it's not going to be easy. I don't think that Serena can win this tournament. But th- when you've made the round of 16, there's not too many steps further. Uh, she has a tough match with mm-hmm. Sakari. But, and and then I agree with you. Yep. Jim Brady today looked looked great, um, and I would expect that that's actually my predicted title matchup is Brady Kennan All American final and uh, mm-hmm. Kennan taking it. You know the thing with the the women's draw for me is big names out early, Coco out early, Venus out early, yeah. Muguru Muguru out early. Uh, it, couple that with the fact that you know several of the top players didn't show up. Yeah. And you know, you you have you have players that are in the running here to make a slam final or a semifinal that they that have never done so. Uh not that that's extremely new to the the, w, the WTA right now. It's such a deep and diversified field, but uh more so now, especially with some of those names going out early. Um but Kenan, Brady, Osaka, Kontovic They've all impressed me from the women's draw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Brady and Kerber was always going to be, uh, you know, a popcorn match in that in that section if they if they got through. And you know, Jennifer Brady looking really impressive, uh, backing up her top seed open title. And you know, she has a real chance now. And she's playing Putin Seva in the in the quarterfinals. So, a really good opportunity for her to make the, you know, Jen Brady to make the semifinals or maybe even the final. I guess Osaka was the odds maker's favorite before the tournament started, and she was my pick to win the win the title. I had her, maybe foolishly, I had Osaka and Sabalenka in the final, uh, because mm. I thought the winner of Azarenka and Sabalenka would really go really would go far in this tournament. But um, on Naomi Osaka, I mean, obviously with everything going on off the court and her making that uh, stance the, the last week of pulling out due to the racial injustice, criminal justice system in the United States. Um, you know, she's looked, she's been tested so far in the, in her, in her matches and especially in her last match against Kostiuk, uh, who's an 18 year old, but, uh, you know, she's looked, she's looked pretty, pretty good so far, but the only question mark for me is physically, how is that hamstring going to pull up? Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, will it, Will it cause her? Will it cause her problems? Because she's playing a really tough player in Contivate today, and I think Hopefully. that that really depend on you know her fitness. Because I think you know Contivate really pushed her last week in Cincinnati, and you know if Contiv- if Osaka is healthy, I think she wins that match. If, if she's still struggling with pain, I think Contivate takes it actually. So, but no, but I mean, speaking more about the players that you know that have really caught my eye so far, I think. 
Victoria Azarenka is looking much, much, much better. Like her almost doing a 2012, 2013 impression right now with the, with the, the confidence, the swagger looks back. She's stepping, mm-hmm. she's really dictating it points on her own terms. And she just looks like she has no, no fear. And the confidence is back for her again, which I'm really happy. And, you know, I mean, Kenan, Kenan in that section, Kenan played really well yesterday against Ons Jabor, and she's obviously going to be a favorite to get to the final, uh, depending on how the matchup with Azarenka goes. I think for Serena, um, it was very crucial for her yesterday to get that win over Sloan Stephens uh, from a set down, because it really looked like Sloan Stephens was moving so effortlessly and really pushing Serena, and Serena looked sluggish early on with her footwork, but it was, you know, combined... Combined with Serena serving better and Stone's level dipping, I think it, it should mm. give her a pretty big boost. And obviously she faces Sakari again, who beat her at the in Cincinnati. But you know, I have her beating Sakari because I just think it's very difficult to replicate that that kind of an upset two weeks in a row. And you know, Serena mm. was in control of the Sakari match and she just let it slip. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really anybody's ball game here. Because, you know, you look at Kavitova, she's looked really good. You've looked at, I mean, we talked about Azarenka. But, you know, I think a Kennan versus a Brady final is totally not not out of the bag. I think that could definitely happen, especially with the way the WTA, with, you know, six of the top ten players not playing. And, you know, they've looked, they've looked impressive and they're taking advantage. And, you know, Kennan really never really got to, uh, you know, back herself uh, you know, back up that Australian Open result since the pandemic happened. So this is a good opportunity for her, um, you know, assuming she gets through Martins and Azarenka. And it's still a very tough draw mm-hmm. for Kenan, like to go through Martins and then potentially Azarenka or Mukova and then Serena and, you know, and then eventually the the top half of the draw with Osaka still left. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see who who wins. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I, you know, it's it's wide open without I mean generally speaking these WTA draws are more wide open than the men's draws. Yeah. And it's just amplified with this tournament. Uh, and yeah, it's it's just wide open. I, Serena is not a dominant force. She mm-hmm. could win this tournament. I don't think she's the favorite to. Yeah. I, I, you're right. I think mm-hmm. Osaka has to be the odds-on favorite, but yes, yeah, she's had she's had the uh, the quad or the hamstring. Uh, yeah, yeah, the hamstring injury, and and she has a very tough match today. I think you're right, yeah. but it's it's just wide open. It makes for for good TV, though. Yeah, it does. You're getting excited about it, and. Um, I guess if if I were to to say for me like the the one thing that I'm impressed with uh, is I think Kenan's serve has improved significantly from like when I last saw like her play right and she she did uh, take care a lot like very very well she did a really good job against uh, Jabbar really um, uh, taking care of those uh, you know slices and even the, the flat forehand that she would hit like taking the ball early the cannon really handled that match really well and came up with like some really good angles and shots as uh, of herself so it was it was really um impressive and encouraging to see like how she was just going through her serve like it didn't really see much of a 
I didn't really feel much of a dip in her uh, confidence and not much of a... If there was tension, she didn't really show it. She really handled a lot of her, her game well. And now that you guys both uh, speak, spoke about Serena, who was the, the next question that I wanted to ask. But um, yeah, I think Serena Williams um, somehow has not proved herself like in this tournament. It's kind of... Um, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's something else that's uh, bothering her. It's Maybe her game is not exactly where she wanted to be. Um I don't want to count that she will not win this tournament because it's it's still Serena and maybe the no fans as uh, we spoke before could actually help her in uh, in kind of coming through without the, the the fans pressure. It probably is better for her to have like the silent crowd or you know the no crowd really. So um, I just I just really am kind of like uh, turning my eyes a little bit to, to towards Serena Williams and see how she plays her the rest of her her matches should she win um and i feel like the closer she gets to the final the probably the closer she would be the favorite to win even though for the last like whatever five um finals that she's played five grand slam finals that she's played she's lost them i feel like she would be really excited to have this opportunity within the bubble within the the, the no no fans in the u.s open and lots of the the top 10 missing top top players really missing i think she would she would really want to capitalize on that one yeah that, that's probably my take yeah yeah for sure so no, no. yeah I said, yeah just a little bit on that i think no you're, you're you're right i mean since the layoff really happened i mean serena's been getting herself into a lot of three set matches and you know coming into this tournament she had played five three setters and she'd won three of them but really lost two and i think you know the baggage was accumulating of you know three set defeats and you know her not you know not really finding her range, not able to get those free points on her serve that usually helps her so much, and it's such an equalizer on the tour uh, when she is being outmatched from the back of the back of the court, not mm-hmm. really able to find her range. But what was really encouraging to me in the Sloan Stephens match was how calm she stayed, because you know we've seen in the last four Grand Slam finals, we've seen actually the road to get to the finals has been very good. She's looked really well. She's looked really really. Uh, you know, good. Like she's looked match tough in her first six matches in each of those four Slam finals, and then it's just kind of the pressures got to her in the finals, with four opponents playing really good tennis. So I think mm-hmm. um, this match against Sloane Stephen, she was able to stay really, really calm and collected, and never really showed that fire that we, you know, that we sometimes associate with her when she gets when she feels the pressure, and you can see it you know, in her movement and in her, uh, you know, kind of the way she conducts herself in between points and just with the crowd getting behind her. And we don't have that this time. And she just looks so relaxed in the bubble. You know, they showed her daughter after the match and she just looked, she seemed like in a good mental space for me to where, you know, maybe it's taken some pressure off of her and, and, you know, she's just focused and concentrated on, on her next round and maybe not thinking too far ahead because, Sakari is a very difficult match. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how if she can start better uh, in that one and really impose herself right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are all great points. You know, Serena would be such a great story, uh, as she always is. I mean, she's... You were 100%, yeah. 123 Grand Slams. Uh, it's the U.S. Open. She is 38, 39... Yeah, turning 39. This yeah, month. turning 39. Yeah. I mean, I'm reminded of Jimmy Connors making a run at the 
91 U.S. Open at 39, I believe it was as well. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. When you go back to 1991 for the last real reference to it, I mean, I guess Federer nowadays, but uh, and then before then, probably Laver Rosewall in the mid 70s. I mean, th- these types of runs at that age do not happen very often. You know, people. People mention that Serena looks slow, that she may not be the favorite. Well, of course she is not. Uh, she she is 39 years old. The fact that she is still amongst the favorites is incredible. Incredible. Yeah, especially when you think back to she won this tournament in 1999 over Hingis. Yeah. And she's been she's been around for at the top level for like 23 years. The fact yeah. that I will be reporting whenever I get to the year 1999 on her first slam uh, title on my 1990s Twitter handle yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. And speaking of uh, winners, like how about we uh, try to wrap it up like with some uh, predictions? Like now that we're in the second week, sure. we've seen a lot more of like the players, uh, how are they doing and <clears throat> how, how, how are the games getting um, into shape? Um, we probably have a much better uh, sense of like a, a, a favorite. And so starting maybe with the, uh, the women's draw since we added, like who, who do you guys pick as your favorite to um, make, make a deep run right now into the, the semifinals and finals and winner? Like who are, who do you, how, who do you guys pick to make it? Uh, should I go first? Okay. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a Brady versus Putin save a quarterfinal. So I have Jen Brady in the semifinals. I think she will, mm-hmm. Uh, be able to get by Putin Seva, who just beat Petra Martic, but uh, I think Jen Brady is yeah. in such good form and rhythm that I think it'll be tough for Putin Seva to stop her. So I have Brady in the semifinals. And to play her in the semifinals, um, it a lot honestly depends on the Osaka Condomate match. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's really tough for me. I'd be hedging my bet if I just, you know, went and uh, didn't go with Osaka. So honestly, I, I I have her getting through Contivate because I think if she does, if she is fit and she is playing the way she is, the way she is, I just think I I'd still back her. So I just I have Osaka getting through Contivate and and the winners of Rogers and Kavitaba. It will be Kavitaba most likely, but I think um, she has more margin on her on her ground strokes and she might be able to which, and I think she does well in. Uh, in 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 that matchup, obviously the Australian Open final was was difficult, but you know if she can get through Kavitova, I'd be really really convinced. And so I have a Brady mm-hmm. and Osaka semifinal on the top half. Now in the bottom half, um, I like what I'm seeing from Cornet, and um, mm-hmm. you know Peronkova is a Peronkova is an amazing story, but that match with Cornet is such a 50-50 matchup for me. Because Cornet, I mean, Cornet mm-hmm. looked good against Keys, but it's going to be tough to decide who whoever wins. So, But I, I, I won't predict that match. I'll just say Serena gets to the semis, and she mm-hmm. faces off against... I'm going to go with Azarenka. Because so mm. I, I, yeah. I, I just think, you know, for Kennan, beating Martins, going through Jabor, Martins potentially Azarenka and Bukova just to get to Serena, it's going to be mm-hmm. an incredible ta- incredibly difficult task. And I think uh, Azarenka is in the frame of mind where 
you know, she would, it would not surprise me at all if she got to the semis. Yeah. Who's the winner for you? So I've got Serena and uh, Azarenka in the semis and Osaka and Brady. So I'll start with the top half. I've got Osaka over Brady. And then comes the ultimate. Serena against Azarenka. Who do I have in that? They played each other twice at the US Open final in 2012 and 2013. Serena won both those matches in three sets. But uh, this is a very different uh, story this time around. It, it really it's so hard to predict because I'd have to see how these round of 16 and quarterfinal matches look and how do they... Look, and, you know, I mean, as a Renka, for the longest time, Serena never really had a rival. Um, mm-hmm. But as a Renka was always there pushing her to three sets. And she's, yeah. She has three or four wins against her. So I think, you know, if they're both playing well, you know, it could be, a, it could be another one of those pick-em matches with the WTA because there's just no clear favorite. I, I would... Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Azarenka. I've got an Osaka and Azarenka final. I've got Osaka mm, with the title. That'll be interesting. So it's rematch. It's gonna be a rematch of what we were supposed to have in Cincy. In Cincinnati. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> How about you, Jetson? <laughs> Aloha. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, from what I've seen from the semi or, or the round of sixteen matches this morning on the WTA side. I have to pick Brady in the matchup against uh, Putin Seva. Yeah. And I actually think Kontovit is has the game to take Osaka. I, I just have a hard time trusting Osaka. I've, she's built a little more trust for me mm-hmm. since since the restart. The matches that I've watched from Kontovit have impressed me. I think she's going to snag a surprise win. Okay, that could very well happen. And and I think that she'll beat the winner of Kvitova Rogers. I haven't watched a whole lot of Shelby Rogers, but with Kvitova, I worry about her stamina. She looked gassed mm-hmm. at the end of two sets the other night, uh, to the point that you know I think if she would have lost lost that second set, she may have lost the match. And so I have a Brady Kontovic semifinal. It's mm-hmm. not the semifinal the organizers yeah. necessarily want, but it's the one that they're going to get, according to me. Mm-hmm. On on the bottom half of the draw, I think I agree. I, I've liked what I've seen from from Cornet. I think that she'll she'll get by in that match, and I think Serena will beat Sakari or Sakari, however we're saying it now. Mm-hmm. She. As you mentioned earlier, she she had Sakari on the ropes in uh, the Western and Southern, and she elevates her game whenever it matters most of the time. And this is a, a certainly a time that matters, so I think that she'll do so here. And I think that she could get through to the semifinals there. It's actually a pretty decent draw. If you would have told Serena at the beginning of the tournament that she'd have to face Sakari and Cornet to get through to the to, to the semis. She would have taken that in a heartbeat. And then I have Kennan beating Mertens. I think Azarenka, Azarenka's run will continue against Bukova. Mm-hmm. And I have Kennan over Azarenka 
That'll be a that would be mm-hmm. a popcorn match. Kenan Kenan and Serena semifinal. Mm-hmm. That is the semifinal the organizers would want. Absolutely. And but I, I think if that were to occur, Kenan would have too much. I, Serena may be maybe worn out by then, just depending on how her matches go. Uh, and you know the pressure the pressure may get to her again. The pressure for number twenty four. The closer she gets, I agree. The closer she gets, the the more of a a favorite she becomes, or a potential favorite she becomes. Mm-hmm. But also, the pressure gets that much more ramped up, and we've seen what it's done in the past. Uh, but I, I just think ultimately, Kenan has too much game for Serena right now. She's too good of a mover. Serena mm. uh, won't be able to keep up with her in the legs, and I think Kenan would get through. Kenan does have a win over Serena, right? Uh, they played in the French last year. In the third round, yeah. and beat her. Yes, I believe that's right. That's, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, and so, so I have at the end of the day, I mentioned it earlier. I have Kenan Brady, and Kenan backing up her Australian Open maiden slam title with a second. Wow. Yeah, I, I guess if if for, for me, I think, um, just I would I would have said Osaka like maybe a week ago and. Uh, or maybe like two weeks ago, rather. But like even with the with the hamstring thing, I feel like I would be favoring her, uh, Brady, Jennifer Brady, really, really to get over Osaka in the semifinals. And um, uh, not to say that I don't believe in Serena Williams. I I think if Azarenka actually gets through Canon, Serena Williams will make it to the final. Um, but um, but then, and then I have no idea. I think Serena couldn't make get that win. Uh, if not, if if it's if not, I think Kenan beats uh, Serena in the fi- semifinals, makes it into the 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 final, and beats Jennifer Brady in the final as well. I think it'll be a, a great um, three setter. I think it'll be a three set final. So and who's that, yeah. Serena and yeah, sorry, who's your pick um, for the win? I think I think my my big my big pick right now, pick right now will be Kenan. Because I think Kenan will will be able to to take over Azarenka, but in the odds that Azarenka lose to Kenan, I don't think Azarenka can beat Serena, and and that in that case, I would say Serena wins the title. That that would be like my my final, not my final, but like my my two options. I would say that would be that would be incredible. I hope that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so you have so you have so, Kenan yeah. versus who's your versus Brady. Brady. So same as yeah. Jetson. Same as James Johnson, yeah. And in in terms of the men, just let's see, like, just because like uh, our time is running out a bit, like, let's see, let's just go for the the final. Who are going to be the finalists, in your opinion, and who's going to win this title? Um, so I, you know, I have to go with the two most, the two players that have just looked the most impressive. I'm going to go with Novak Djokovic on the top half. I think he gets through Gofan. I think Gofan mm-hmm. will beat Shapovalov, um, and then. Uh, and I think he'll beat uh, Zverev in the semis, Djokovic, and mm-hmm. we'll get to the final on the bottom half. Um, I really think that Team Felix match will be really exciting, but I have Team getting through it, and I have I have a Team Medvedev semifinal, and mm-hmm. um, I think Medvedev wins. I have uh, Djokovic and Medvedev. Final, and I think we will see a really epic four or five set match. Uh, but Djokovic wins Grand Slam number eighteen. That's mm. my pick. 
Yeah. Yeah, and as we speak, uh, Djokovic is threatening to break Krenjabusta in the first set, but they're still on serve. But I have, obviously, Djokovic getting through this match uh, and, and topping El Chapo in the in the quarterfinals. In the quarters. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, maybe Chapo gets a set. I, I doubt it, but he could if he, if he comes out sharp. And uh, eventually over Zverev in three or four sets as well. I think Zverev's playing well enough to make, to take a set off Djokovic. I don't think he's playing well enough to beat him. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. four sets for that, yeah. match, for that yeah. match. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Zverev is playing well. Yeah. Not well enough to beat Djokovic. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the bottom half, you know, we have the potential to see an all-Canadian quarterfinal and an all-Russian quarterfinal, that kind of shade, mm-hmm. shades of Davis Cup. But I don't think that will happen. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think team will squeak by Felix uh, in his in his round of 16 match. Uh, I don't really know. I think he'll probably beat Demon War in, uh, in, in his quarterfinal. And then... He'll face Medvedev. I think Medvedev will easily dispatch TFO and then take on Berrettini in a good match. Uh, and then I think he'll the Medvedev team semifinal will be epic. I think he'll take it in four or five tough sets and leave team. Team, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Medvedev. Medvedev. Medvedev will do That's it in four. Medvedev will do it in four or five tough sets against Dominic Team, and that will leave Medvedev fairly exhausted and leave him right for the picking against Djokovic. Djokovic takes title number eighteen against Medvedev in four four sets. Hmm. You know, I, I actually yeah. I actually really like uh, Medvedev's cardio and his chances, yeah. even if it does go long against Dominic Team. I think he's shown me so much in terms of his uh, recovery. And, you know, we saw at the U.S. Open last year, he was on fumes, basically, heading into the final. Mm. He was still able to, you know, push Nadal all the way, so much so that actually he looked the fitter player in that fifth set. Yeah, I agree. He actually, mm-hmm. he he does impress in, in that aspect. I think uh, Djokovic's semifinal will be significantly easier than Medvedev's, if it if it happens that way, and it could become a factor, but I, I think you're right. That may not be the ultimate factor. Uh, plus, Medvedev's been breezing through. I mean, he's he's conserved yeah. energy. Sure. One note. One, one note on that yeah. is if Medvedev does win, I was look, taking a look at the live rankings. He would jump ahead of Federer with the title. He would for, be number three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess he would jump ahead of team as well. Hmm. Yeah, he'd be number three in the world. Um, yeah. Goffin would jump back into the top ten if he if he gets a win uh, this evening. Uh, right now, Shapovalov, Raonic, and Felix are live 17, 18, and 19. Wow. Yeah, and they have the most – the Canadians, obviously, they have the most – Men in the in the draw, they have three of this. Yeah, at this point, crazy. Yeah. And yeah, uh, what's on the crazy? If you would have you would have said there's three Canadians left in the draw, but one of them is not Raonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what's on the line for these guys? Three hundred that are playing today and tomorrow. Three hundred and sixty ATP points. 
and you know right. a crap ton of money yeah i mean and and also i think it depends on what the result was last year too because it's a two week rankings thing That's so if, so mm-hmm. i guess even if medvedev doesn't get yeah. to the finals he'll at least get to keep his points from last year yeah it'll be interesting mm. to see how the modified rankings you know will yeah. will affect how they hold up yeah, yeah. In but like uh, so, your your final pick was then Djokovic over Medvedev in the final. Yes, I I mean, how could you pick against Djokovic right now? It's pretty much yeah. I I guess I would say the same. Like if even if I bypass everyone else, I think it would be just Djokovic in the final. I will still give it to Team though. I feel like Team is going to find a way to like make him make himself play another final against Djokovic. And okay. who knows? I'm 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 saying that probably. I would hope for like a big five setter again, like a like a five set match, and the Djokovic comes out on top again against Team for another heartbreaker. And this is pretty much uh, as much of a pick that I'm going to make right now because we're really short on time yeah. at this point. So, so I'm just going to end this right here. And um, so make sure that you follow um, us, follow follow Twitter mostly. That's where you're active on for tennis and bagels at tennis underscore um, bagels. I think, yeah, ten, I just changed the handle, so that's why I'm a little confused. Uh, Vunch is at Vunch2K. Yeah, Vunch, uh, what's, what's your my Twitter handle? V2K. Is, uh, is Vunch V2K, yes. Exactly. And for our dear uh, guest for today, Judson, uh, what are your handles? It's one, it's at Tennis in Aloha, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's at JWalmazoo. Uh, you can search Tennis in Aloha. And then also yeah. my 90s account, uh, 90s Tennis. Yeah, sure. Make sure that you follow him. He's actually putting lots of great comments on a lot of matches. It's it's a it's a, it's an insane amount of match watching that I um, really wish I had this idea first. But yeah, good job, Jetson. <laughs> so um, thank you guys very much for being here, and I'll be seeing you guys when the open finishes, and then we'll get a winners and see if our second um, second round predictions are correct or not. So. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Judson. And thank you. Thank you, Andre. It was a lot of fun. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.